0: Thank you for downloading our podcast, Therapist Talking Therapy. My name is Martin Weaver. And I'm Nicholas Rose. So We were thinking about relationships and how we can what, fall into roles, fall into patterns. A word I heard only just a few years ago was enactments.
1: Enactments.
0: Mm. How we can take um, habits, perspectives, positions even. From our past and almost in a transference kind of way then repeat them in the moment when um, we don't know what else to do or we fall back into it yes and yeah we don't, we don't allow ourselves to be ourselves in in the moment in the now neither do we allow the other person or people in that relationship to be be themselves in the now and we fall back on uh, familiar patterns
1: Familiar patterns, and you and, uh, said so that I'm thinking of. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember the philosopher, I never can, but um, this is, talks about us knowing ourselves through our relationships with others. Mm. And so, the, the, the beauty really of, of relationships as well for people to, to get to know themselves better, but also to be able to help others to know themselves better.
0: I think the difficulty is people come to us because their relationships clearly aren't working. Otherwise they they wouldn't be coming to us. Um, And yet they don't recognize or understand what it is that's actually going wrong. And I think one of the big things is about what I call identity. How I do things is who I am. And therefore if I change how I do something, I'm changing who I am. So I'm going to hold on to who I am
1: Mm.
0: and not change.
1: And in order for us to make a change, it's natural for us to want to be certain that the we're going to be changing to something better. So it can be, it, that's of course one of the, we might realize that actually it'd be better if we did this differently. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can be faced with the kind of choice, well, but do we want to take that risk? And And I think sometimes people prefer not to take the, the risk as well. But yes, having the awareness is, is, is key, I think, important.
0: Do you, when you work with a client, I wonder how where how you are, because I, I certainly am when I work with individuals that they come from a context and a number of different relationships. Mm. Very often I'll say to my clients, I know you and I are working together, but if your partner wants to come along at any stage, because sometimes partners can feel they get left behind or they want to have their own therapy somewhere else. I would understand why they might not want to come and see me. Then I'm open to that. If, but it's up to you because you know, this is our time. It's your time. Mm. However, you leave here, our, 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 our session and you go back into different kinds of relationships.
1: And so when, when you said about context, that uh, every time we're in a different situation or a different person, then how we might be can be different. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were? Absolutely, meaning? as you yeah. and I
0: have a relationship, which is, I guess one would, one would categorize as professional. And so therefore, you know, I'm with my husband in a different way than I am with you. And I'm in a different way than I am with my clients and my supervisees and my friends. I'm not, I'm not being somewhat different.
1: Us, our, our, um, I, I often think of it as um, our internalized job descriptions that come with the different roles. Yeah. Um, yeah, colleague, friend, manager, therapist, um, partner, parent. Yeah. Um, yeah dog <laughs> What, sorry? dog and I was thinking of my dog
0: <laughs> yeah well dogs put you in a different no dogs are pack animals and mm. they want to know there's a hierarchy and where their position is so they mm. demand of you I suppose a particular way of being
1: a way of being yes yeah fascinating
0: and that job description you mentioned I think I might use the word script as one way of saying there's a particular script and their particular language, if language creates our reality. And I think it probably does to a large degree, not entirely, but to a large degree. That's one way as well as our physiology and what we might call our, uh, kind of our mental map. And they all come together to create how we express ourselves. And that script and that sensation and that model that map changes throughout the day a great many times
1: yes and and as we as we get older as we become uh, as we internalize different experiences and uh, different uh, situations that we we go through and, and also different people's where other people's ways of being as well and so how we might react to to them uh, as a as a therapist uh, I, I'm always aware that people might be looking for something that's either sort of relational or um, directive or a- analytic. and Let's,
0: Sorry to interrupt. Let, let me let me be controversial here. Can is there anything that isn't relational?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> Whenever <laughs> like I hear it, relation
1: to something.
0: Well, yeah. When I hear this, this is relational therapy. I'm going oh relational, you know, it's all about how we connect and relate, and how we position ourselves and engage with each other. You cannot mm. not have a relation or be in relation to something, because you know, when Descartes didn't he say, "No, I think, therefore I am." Although we might argue he should have said, "There are thoughts, therefore I am." But okay, I think. But how do I how do I know that's true? Because I build things. Because people engage with me in a particular way
1: i hmm. i think of relational uh, as a sort of experience uh, so we we have from a relational perspective instead of thinking about someone's situation thinking with them more so so rather than Thinking through oh, this uh, this piece of homework might be helpful, or this theoretical approach, or, um, or uh I, I wonder about the past um, to be to be very much more in dialogue and to stay in dialogue and to stay with the, the conversation. So that's that's my sense of relational. But yes, I, I, how you understand that word um, and use it is is, is key. Yeah
0: what you describe seems to be, I would interpret as being almost sort of non-directive. Mm. Yes. and yet, I think what I have found most useful in my life are people suggesting different perspectives and new skills and different ideas that I can either accept or reject. And I'm quite happy when clients say to me, oh, no, my you've got that completely wrong. Oh, that's not gonna work. Or, well, no, I don't think that at all. Great, that tells me a bit more about you and a bit more about me.
1: Mm.
0: So you know, I I offer this intervention, this perspective. It is rejected by the client. So that tells us, focuses on, okay, if that doesn't work, then what is it about that that doesn't work or doesn't fit that tells us more about what does work and what does fit? So when you say dialogue, I don't see any difference between a non-directive conversation and a more, perhaps I might call it engaged conversation.
1: Yes, directive, and because uh, I, I think that we've understood that we 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 are different in in, in that regard, and and our trainings that show that as as well. I suppose I think that the the non directive uh, has a direction, of course, through <laughs> a paradox in, in uh, um, Yes, there's a paradox, uh, but. Yeah, I think people find different things helpful in different times, in different situations, and uh, yeah. And so the importance of finding a therapist that that well is is where you are at that point in time, I suppose, and what's helpful. But of course, people come to us and they say, "Oh, um, I need help with this, and I I would like CBT uh, and." Uh, they might end up talking about something completely different, and you don 't get to do any CBT, so yes, what what people bring uh, is always the starting point isn 't it? So who knows where we, where we might go but.
0: and do you have any sense of patterns in relationships that when you 're working with an individual or with a couple and you experience something you go, oh yeah, here we go." this is going to be about values or this is going to be about um, beliefs or this is going to be about actions. Do you get any sense that, um, Oh, this couple isn't going to work because they're too unwilling perhaps to be more flexible or to give up their position or to compromise or to, do you have any sense of, I guess (laughs) maybe we should title this podcast, why relationships fail.
1: Oh, <laughs> as opposed to why they work,
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> half full or half empty uh, yes, well, well, I can't answer that question easily because yes I'm, I, I, I'm it never fails to surprise me as to where we we can end up in therapy For for me, the important signifier is the sense of Contact or the, the the felt sense, the quality of connection. It, 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 it does yeah? Do, do I Is it an experience where it feels as though it, it, it's something that's flowing, something that's um, yeah? It has a directionality about it, a sort of a, a, a sense of collaboration. So, so it's something about the the, the experience of the the, the relationship with. With the people that are coming to see me that, that that's usually the, the signifier for me as to how things will go ultimately
0: I suppose I was thinking about as the client or clients explore um, they tell you about their issues and their relationship I just wonder whether you as an observer of that notice that oh, okay from what they're saying there's clearly a difference of opinion on, as I say, values or on beliefs or Mm. on uh, things that are important. Um, We have a a phrase in uh, neurolinguistics called critical equivalences. The actions by which we know that our beliefs or values are being expressed. So if you came to me with your partner, for instance, I might say, so Nicholas, what do you do that shows your partner that you love them? And I might ask your partner, what do you do? chosen Nicholas that you love him so there's kind of an evidence exploration Mm. there and then is that what you want so Mm. do you as individuals and as this couple or as this family or this individual understand what it is that you're looking for that confirms your sense of who you are
1: Mm. yes beliefs and values i i think are so central aren't they from it's, it's almost our foundation that uh, what we believe in and what we want to be in life is, is which will then uh, sort of direct us in our our actions. But our beliefs and values can be so hidden. And I think particularly at the start of relationships, it's often someone's um, connection with another person's belief, beliefs and values around living and family and the world and that connect people quite often, but then those conversations don't necessarily happen so much. Not always, but I, I think the beliefs and values can get sort of hidden over time and also change maybe.
0: I think they get, I think they get overwhelmed by the physiology. Ah. <laughs> um, it, has, it has been said that love is a kind of madness. Mm. And we have this felt sense of wanting to be with this person, and this felt sense of being with this person. And very often that can overwhelm us or, or take precedence over the nuances. Oh, and they said that, I'm not sure about that, but you know, they're so gorgeous, you know, who cares, or the, you know, their smell is so great, or the sex is fabulous, or they, they, their voice, that's more important in this moment. That's a kind of bonding process, mm. a kind of honeymoon period, if you like.
1: Mm.
0: and it's after that period that those beliefs and those values and that flexibility or lack of flexibility then begins to to show through as it were and the physiology takes a kind of second second seat as uh, a backseat you know when you get to to my great age ah, and beyond the cultural view is that you know people beyond 60 and old people quote unquote whatever that means Mm. the physiology disappears and it's you know, about intimacy mm. And if you have a different perspective on that that's going to change things and if one has one one partner has one perspective and the other partner has a different perspective and as you said they're, they're hidden but what isn't hidden is the response the physiological response the anger, the fear, the envy the discontent then that's what gets focused on
1: and don't you think that the perspectives also often come from a kind of a cognition of thought, uh, which is a sort of construction of a way of trying to make sense of the problem, the situation? Uh, and quite often, what it misses is uh, the belief or value that sits underneath, which is so often shared, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then put the couple have just not realize that actually they are coming from exactly the same place but voicing it through different perspectives and and then and then misunderstanding each other yeah
0: to to, put another layer of complexity as one explores this both you know in therapy or supervision or just socially when one is challenged or curious about a particular belief or value Sometimes it can become clear that that belief or value or habit actually comes from somewhere else, Uh, a parent or a a teacher, Uh, an incident in one's life. Mm -hmm. It isn't one that one actually owns, but you think and you believe that you have to have it because of the family group that you're in or the culture that you're in or the word I really hate, which is the tribe to which you belong, Mm -hmm. demands that you hold a particular value or a particular belief?
1: Couples often talk about how, how they experience uh, each other's families mm. in such different ways. Um, and they ne- really notice as well, might say, oh, I, I, I have a very small family and they have a very large family, or their family talks about everything, or their family never talk about things. And, and so the uh, and also what I really like is is when couples get to that stage where where they because they know the families that they spot those those behaviours and and they might say oh you're being your mum again or you're being your dad again oh, I didn't marry your mum I married you that kind of that kind of thing but but how helpful that can be for for the for the partner to think oh yes. And uh, yeah, that's not, uh, yeah, maybe that's not what I want to do, actually. Maybe. Well, very
0: much it's like this, what I term this a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And clients often say, I, I promised myself I wouldn't be like my mother or the bad habits of my father, and I'm being exactly the same. And I go, well, yes, of course you are. If you're holding that outcome in your head, then that's the direction of travel or in your body. Mm. If so, it's
1: there in your... In your thinking your awareness or your experience yeah. it, it will shape you we, we are the product of our experiences and
0: do you do you ski nicholas
1: uh not very much
0: no right. well th- this might mean more to you than to me i don't ski but a s- client who was a skier told me that he said well you now if you're skiing down a hill and your knees are pointing towards a tree you're going to hit the tree
1: ah uh. That's why I don't ski so much. <laughs> I keep hitting trees. <laughs> the, the last time I tried skiing, I just seemed to keep heading for everything that I didn't want to head for. So that, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, and therefore it's about saying, well, okay, we understand you don't want to behave in that manner. So what's the manner that you wish to behave?
1: Mm.
0: Let's focus on that. And the issue about being like one's mother or one's father, or being treated like one's mother or one's partner's mother or father. Is that whole enactment business.
1: Mm. Uh, uh, and um, also, what does it matter? Because <laughs> uh, that, that's the other thing, isn't it, in, in relationships, that the pain often comes from there being some significance attached to a behaviour, mm. a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding or um, you know, that uh, this is a bad behavior, and this, this means we're going to get into trouble in some way or things are going to go wrong, when it may just be a way of being, which is therefore, you know, so what really? Um, well, uh,
0: that is about, as you rightly say, that interpretation uh, a, a word or a gesture or a habit for you hmm. could be incredibly um, loving or security or, or um, authentic it's a true way that Nicholas likes to be and I go oh yeah I've seen that in my, my brother who used to do that and then do something else or it's not something I, I value or I approve of because of my experience so I'm not allowing you to be Nicholas in the moment I'm taking your way of enacting or way of being and putting on it my own interpretation and
1: that, I, I suppose I'm thinking about the amount of pain that people experience um in in those moments or, or in those disconnections on both sides really yeah. that ultimately the two people are not having a sense of feeling connected or, or feeling mm. uh yeah it can be lonely and uh, and yeah i think
0: it's then difficult. again the, the physiology takes over or becomes more important
1: mm. um
0: i know that when i work with couples and they're sitting in front of me, remotely or in the room, and they want to talk about what's happening to, in a particular event with their partner. And I say, look, ignore them for a moment. Just, just tell me. Tell me what's happened. Tell me how you interpret that event. Tell me what it means to you. And in that telling of their story, there's a different emotional meaning to it, a different context to it. And they say it differently. And their partner hears it differently. I remember talking to one client and saying, well, you know, we've had this conversation. So what stops you having this conversation with your partner? And my client said, yeah, but we're not shouting. Ah, (laughs) when people are together, that dynamic.
1: And um, when when someone says about shouting, because you, you, uh, Yes, some families are very loud <laughs> and, and, and some are very quiet and so someone who's got a partner from a loud family might constantly be feeling as though they're being shouted at when, when actually they want to say, I'm not shouting <laughs> and uh, it's interesting when you're the therapist uh, sitting there and and you think, gosh, that's quite loud or that sounds quite and you think, but is that about me? So, So yes, are are
0: they angry or not? So check it out. Are you shouting? How are you feeling? (laughs) And that takes us into perhaps a bit of a side issue, which is about, although an important one, working with people in trauma who need to vocalise perhaps or walk around or gesticulate loudly or broadly because in every other context, they're not allowed to because everybody else around them says, oh, that's too loud or that's too upsetting or that sets off something in them the other person that they don't like and so they try and close down the person in trauma and so clients mm-hmm. in trauma come to us and i hope and i'm sure how you i'm sure you do I, I hope you do give them the space to be angry because they're not angry at me they're just angry at the world or angry at a person or angry at a situation
1: it, it can be anger it, it can also be when people are in touch with their trauma, of course, they they may be sort of in a state of paralysis and mm. and need someone to be there with them uh, in a useful way with that. Or can also be that they really want to flee as well. Yes, you know, the fight, flight, and fright oh, yeah. Yeah. responses. And and of course with trauma, what's what's been interesting over the years is that there's there's been such a debate about whether people should relive traumas or, or whether they should avoid them. And, and I, I suppose I end up with a sort of understanding that different people need different things. So as you say, give, give space Mm. and be able to be in that space and to, I mean, people say about holding space, Mm. what that, that means. But I, I think it's something about, yeah, being able to be there and kind of knowing, uh, how to be helpful? When to stay quiet? When to come yeah. forward? When to when to suggest relaxation? When to ask more questions? It's it's a, a kind of a felt thing, isn't it? I, um...
0: Well, that's about again. That's about the relationship, isn't it? As you hmm. started talking about with your clients, and uh, a number of my clients with trauma have have been surprised at, at they say um, the patience that I show with them. That they go into withdrawal and tears and I'm quite happy in certain circumstances with certain clients just to sit there mm. and maybe say that's fine just go with it do what you need to do I'm mm-hmm. gonna be here take your time it's fine mm. I mean it feels crap but it's fine so there's an acknowledgement of the pain pointing it out Putting a label to it, putting a name to it, and also saying you have a a right to respond to that pain in the way that works for you. Whereas everybody else around them doesn't want to know about it. Not because they're callous or hard people, but they don't know what to do. It's the equivalent, I suppose, of you know, when someone dies in your family, people around you may avoid you. Not because they want to avoid you, but because they it sets off something for them and they don't know how to respond. They don't want to make it worse.
1: And uh, there are different uh, behaviours of response as well as you were saying earlier. That um, some families they they might uh, have a habit of not bringing up subjects mm-hmm. because they 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 work on the basis that if somebody wants to talk about it, then they'll be able to because that's their sort of their group understanding. Whereas other families might ask, oh, how are you now about the, the loss or the bereavement? Um, and, and that's kind of what they're expecting. They're expecting each other to ask. Um, the difficulty is when, you, when you've got two conflicting uh, ways of doing it. Um, and so, yes, it, it can either feel Uh, 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 well can people end up feeling they're not cared for that they're they're not they're not cared for by the other person or um that it's very hard to look after another person yeah so
0: and if you've got these two families where uh, one doesn't ask and one expects to be asked
1: Mm. over
0: a period of time that creates a sense of resentment anger uh disrespect and it's interesting that when a relationship does come to an end uh, for one partner, it's a huge surprise. They didn't see that coming, but for the other partner, it's been bubbling under possibly for years. Mm. It's been a slow progression and then they reach the threshold and say enough is enough.
1: Mm.
0: And had they been able to voice that one year one month, one week ago, 10 years ago, perhaps then maybe the relationship would be in a, a different place.
1: Yes, but like when you have toothache, you, you, that you you reach a point when um, you, you pick up the phone to <laughs> arrange the appointment with the dentist. But I suppose I was thinking that when when things have been going wrong for a long period of time, that there's something about... Yeah, it's a, it's, there's, I think there's a joint responsibility there, that it's usually the case that the other partner has had a sense that something is not okay. And... Yeah, and so you'll often hear the words. Well, mm, yeah, I suppose I did notice. And yeah, I, I thought maybe it was better just to leave it.
0: Um, Least said, soonest mended. I think is the uh, the old phrase. I don't know if other cultures have that. Have that yes. Saying.
1: Yeah, I think so. But then there's also the thing about hindsight as well, isn't there? That uh, you know we, we we get so much information, and and there's so many times when. Think oh is that person okay and you think, oh well I'll wait until I see them next time <laughs> and yeah so
0: we, or you say in a relationship oh I'll, I'll wait till that subject comes up again or until we we visit this place or we we have until I have to go and see their parents again we'll. mm. sometimes that's that avoidance of conflict
1: yes can be about avoidance yes
0: yeah and if if there's pressure socially perhaps or one is seen as a successful couple. Because people only see perhaps the the external performance, then there's a tension in there to to hold that relationship together, which may be violating one's own um, principles, values, beliefs. Who knows what?
1: Well, speaking about that, I don't know why it came to mind, but I was I was thinking about what children see of of their parents' relationships, <laughs> and and how they can understand relationships based on what what they see and. And there's so much they don't get to see necessarily. They don't They don't know whether um, conflicts are resolved behind the bedroom door, for example, and what the quality of the intimacy is in terms of connection for, for parents. So they might see them rowing, but might not see them in a more harmonious, kind of connected way, and vice versa. So I don't, why was that coming to be, That was coming to mind oh just yeah because of what we what we think we might see so when people say oh that's that's they've got such a good relationship and that often uh, is something which uh, can be difficult for people if they think everyone else has got much better relationships oh yeah Yeah. or give them an excuse not for improving their relationship because they think everyone else (laughs) is worse
0: <laughs> we don't do so badly, do we? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that dinner party terrible? They were awful, were they? Glad we're not like that. <laughs> and yet, maybe they, the others were just playing the dinner party game. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's that again. We're back to role playing again, um, mm. living up to expectations. So, is it that then relationships should be completely open in the sense of um, truthful, authentic?
1: I wonder what that would look like.
0: Mm, feel like.
1: <laughs> hmm. I, I, mean, what I was thinking about. There was yeah. something we said something about different types of relationships as well. That there are different roles, and roles have power. And and but in a romantic relationship, or a, a, you know, yeah, a romantic relationship, companionship, friendship, about the potential for people to be open and honest and authentic to be able to say, well, I feel, I feel hurt when, when you say that, or when you do that, and this is because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, very
0: often again, what, what I do with some of my clients is, is, is teach them a different language, not you hurt yes. me regardless. Yeah. but actually that when you say that, I feel yeah. um, discomfort or I feel pain.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's so important that um, the way in which we communicate with each other d- does not increase or put defences up because then it's just like someone is right and someone is wrong uh, and that's not that's not helpful. So yes, ha- owning your feelings, not, not saying someone else is causing you to, you know, you can feel hurt or upset in relation to something someone said but you're not saying that... It's they shouldn't say it because if mm. someone else said it, it might not have that impact, or if you were someone different, it might not have that impact. So, ownership of your response is so important, isn't it? As you say, yeah.
0: And there's something about being in the now, in the sense that I have a response to something you say, and it's uh, an uncomfortable or negative response, mm. and then the thought has to be, So, does this response belong here as we're talking, or is this some kind of transference is this an old habit that's come up um, has the tone that you've used or is it the way that you look Mm. that reminds me of a a painful incident yesterday or 40 years ago Mm. am i responding to the you here or am i responding to an an expectation of an old habit
1: yes yes
0: people never get that far Mm. and of course in a relationship where the other isn't expecting that they're not able to say, "Well, hang on a minute that's my favorite question is, which is um, what's the real issue here? Is it about dinner not being on the table or is it about never being loved mm. Is it about being asked to do something or is it about the tone in which I've used to mm. ask you to do something
1: A question I might ask is what did you take from that mm. uh, and and then put to the other partner well, what was it that you wanted them to take from that and, and they're so often different completely different
0: yeah uh, I do get uncomfortable to put it mildly when psychologists talk, talk about how the how the brain short us and tricks us and lies to us and I'm going what what the brain and our minds do is incredibly complex and what we do is we sort through huge amounts of data to come up with, in the kind of Occam's razor, the most likely meaning, the most likely explanation for what's happening. And in therapy, we're taught, sometimes very painfully, (laughs) to slow that down, to Hmm. question that, to be curious about that process. Have we actually interpreted this correctly? This being not only my response, but what I'm hearing from you.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, Are we doing the best we can with the information available to us. I think um, you say language like tricks it is very difficult when it comes to couples, because when they get to a particular point of crisis or pain, they're so often looking for something to hook the experience on. So oh, I, th- I think he or she is having a psychotic split, for example, or, um, yeah, so the trickery will be, oh, it's gotta be, you know, they're not working properly, there's something wrong with the other person. And that's mm. so unhelpful usually. Um, yeah.
0: Yes and no, I'm, I get I'm uncomfortable okay. with the word trick because it's about putting a pattern together that mm. gives the impression that there's an understanding of what's happening and therefore there's a strategy and in, an intervention that can occur mm-hmm. to resolve it. There's lots of that goes on in so-called science and research, where people stick these labels on and they think because we're counting numbers, then we know what we're doing. Um, and that's fine where numbers are important, but I'm reminded of Bronowski and the Ascent of Man, if you ever watched those series of programs. No, I did uh, He stands in the, one of the ponds in Auschwitz, literally stands in it and says, this is where the ashes of my ancestors were, were flushed. And he said, we have to cure ourselves of the itch for absolute knowledge. We have to touch people, he says.
1: Mm.
0: And that's where, okay, this is my response. And so the, the thing you call trickery, I think, is the, the, uh, the chimera, the, the um, attraction of simplistic answers to complex issues
1: yes yeah be, being able to relieve some pain i suppose or some uncertainty by thinking there's something that's fairly simple that, that can be there but of course whenever you look at something which is so say so simple it, it quite quickly unravels and is far more complex than uh, than first thought but maybe maybe initially it's helpful
0: um, and, if, and if there's someone there to as you mentioned earlier on hold the space To accept the unravelling is part of not only the normal process, but a healthy process and a required process. To say, I don't know why I, I hit you. I don't know why I told you you were such a stupid, nasty, vicious person, Nicholas. I don't know why I hold you in such low regard. Where does that come from? And if you go, oh, that's interesting, Martin. So where might that also be true? Or where has that come from? rather than going, well, you know, it's not you, then I'm off, kind of thing. It's yeah, not...
1: being able to think with someone in situations. Yeah. Um, of course, we're in, in working with couples, the, I think the context so often creates an opportunity for something different to happen, doesn't it? That there's a, a different place. Yeah, um, It's a neutral space, There's another yep. issue, another concern. But there's a third person there, the third person is maybe seen as an expert or considered as um, someone who's going to be helpful and therefore um, one person might feel more uh, open to speaking, the other might feel calmer, might feel, yeah, that it's okay to be more relaxed. Yes, there's a whole range of things that happens. But being able to to speak with, which is, um, you say, getting away from that experience where defences arise and, yeah, there's disconnection as opposed to connection and understanding.
0: And holding in our own minds and helping our clients hold in their own minds that in those intense or the lead up to those intense events, there is a complexity going on there although it's comforting to think it's simplistic and you're just a bad person. Actually, there's a whole load of stuff going on there. And the way my partner's responding aggressively, frighteningly, violently may not be anything to do with me. Mm. And if I can then take that step back, a bit, I'm going to engage and we come back to that. Or I come back to that phrase, hold the space. Mm. I'm not going to run away. Neither am I going to engage in the, the script or the, the um, performance that I'm being offered, the role I'm being offered. I'm going to go into another one mm. and therefore create a different dynamic, a different dialogue that ends up in a different place and hopefully a more positive one.
1: Um, well, e- e- even if not more positive, um, I, I always think... I mean, my my opinion is is that, um, yeah, time spent focusing on something is never wasted. That that, that, that at the end of it, there's something different, (laughs) something else, something new, something amended. Uh, uh, And I think that's one of the things I often think is that I I just wish people had come uh, for therapy sooner. Yeah and I, I think that people are concerned about going to therapy because it is it going to mean the end of our relationship and uh, they can be nervous but well, of course it, it may be that the best thing that that can happen and people will in, afterwards say well you know that was that was um, you know that was the right thing for us but um, yeah I, I think once things get to a particular level of pain and difficulty then uh, yes, in, in a way people f- can find it harder to come to therapy and then it results or needs a particular crisis like an infidelity mm. or, um, or something like that before the couple will come. And then you've got, you've got the infidelity to deal with and then you've got the, the underlying dynamic to work on as well.
0: I was just thinking what you said about early intervention, people being able to recognise there's a problem. And sometimes I have said to clients, to couples, this relationship is over. The question is, is the new one that's going to be built, one that the two of you will build together, or is it time to go somewhere else? And if it is time to go somewhere else, is is or are your new relationships going to be significantly different?
1: Mm. I, I, I liked hearing you say that, because I, I was thinking about how um, sometimes couples need uh, what they, they need to be able to draw a line mm. and say, right, that was then. Yep. now we can do something different, um, but that because of unresolved problems in the past the, and uh, kind of the, the breakdown in trust. I suppose, but it's always saying, "Well, we're we're going to do it differently now." But then there'll be that part of the brain going, "Oh, I don't know." Again, so yeah, when you when you said about that relationship is over, I liked hearing you say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and another of my clients had split up at that point and said, "Oh yeah," because it is. And a number have said, "So we need to rebuild something different, or mm. build something different." Mm. And then from this perspective, we can go back to those other events. Say, oh, that's what was happening from a bit of distance Mm. and not so connected and not so invested in being right or Mm. winning but understanding what's happened and then saying, well, we don't want to do that again and here we come to self-fulfilling prophecy again. So what is it that we want to do? How do we want to be?
1: Mm.
0: And to value that and to build into it, not just the kind of... um, tyranny of happiness which is I think often happens in our profession but also when things don't go right how do we want to resolve that
1: I I think um, about the the quantity of goodwill that there is an empathy towards the other person how ultimately it, it can be so important to to be looking out for another person, to have somebody to look out for. And and how when your focus is on how to support and how to love for want of a different word, another person, um, but the conflicts just aren't there. It's it's not about what's going on between us, but how, how, how can a couple help each other and support each other. And I think mean, that's where the focus changes ultimately. It goes from what's going wrong and what each, each of us are doing wrong to, oh, you, you, you want to start a new career. Mm. Let's, let's talk about how, how you can do that. What do you need me to do? What, what, how can we finance that? How can we make that happen? How can we make your dreams mm. realised? Um, but,
0: but taking what you said earlier on about pain, when well, one's in pain, it's virtually... I would say impossible to have any empathy yeah. uh, pain kind of wraps around us and isolates us from the rest of the world. Mm. And when you've got two people in their own pain mm. and not recognizing that, mm. not knowing that they can do anything else about it. Mm. I'm in my pain and I'm stuck here and you're stuck there. And we're not going anywhere. We can't go anywhere. Helping them understand that actually it may be, again, I've said to some of my clients, you know, at some point one of you is going to have to put their needs aside for a short period in order for the couple uh, to reconnect with the knowledge that the other person's pain will be resolved at some point in the future.
1: There has been, hasn't there, um, a kind of a bit of a misunderstanding I think about therapy um, sometimes. Just the one? (laughs) <laughs> Just the one, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about um how people need to be aware of their needs and their wants, uh, and how to, to um you know get their boundaries and and it, it can it can be at the cost sometimes of our relationships in terms of looking after other people, that there is a bit of a criticism that people become too self-absorbed. Yeah. Um and so, but for me at least, um, I, I always think that um, therapy finishes once and a change is integrated in such a way that it, it fits with relationships and, and life more generally, not just that somebody leaves therapy saying, right, I'm going to be much more assertive and I'm going to keep saying no to things um, be, because we're in the world of others.
0: <laughs> there was a, a technique in the 70s, I think. was taught to women as part of a certainness training
1: Hmm.
0: and it was called the broken record right and the process or the procedure was just say what you need and just keep saying it in the same way again and again and again and the idea was eventually it will get through right But of course the problem is if you're not able to state your needs and then engage with the response
1: Hmm.
0: and not so much uh, change your needs but maybe change the way you express them or change the way you have evidence for them
1: mm.
0: that's the way uh, you're, you're likely to achieve this contentment or the happiness that you're both seeking mm.
1: because uh, uh, when we're in pain as you were saying earlier when we're in pain not only um we we, we may not be able to be m. Em- Empathetic with another person, but we might not be able to receive empathy as well because we'll, we'll be wanting the other people around us to do what we would do for them. So Though they may be, they may be trying to help us, but we might not be able to see or hear or experience that. And the more pain someone's in, then the kind of the more difficult that might be. And as, as therapists, when going back to the trauma situation. Um, we, we get a, a sense as to say when we're, when we're more active, when we come forward, when we sit back, when we're quiet, when we speak.
0: Yeah. Of course the word we haven't used here, which is well used and misunderstood a lot, I think, which is that codependency. You know, I mm. can't be happy Nicholas unless you're happy and you're telling me how great this podcast is going. <laughs> yeah, in order for, to keep me happy, or need mm. of me to be happy, you have to be happy. Mm. And I can't cope with it when you're not happy,
1: people have gone a bit frightened, haven't they, around dependency and, mm. and the word dependency it's um it, it's one of those things that people say mm, are we are we openly dependent? is this person dependent am I dependent um and it's it's about holding attention isn't it about um how much together and how much apart and mm. um, it's a constant process, I think isn't it um yeah of how to be together uh
0: yeah. at some stage, these podcasts are going to end. At some stage, something's going to happen and I'm going to get bored or go off, or you are, you know. And is that a
1: warning, <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: what happens in life. Our relationship is going to go through changes. Mm. You know? Yes. And, and how we handle right. that and how we understand the needs of each other. Mm. And whether we then feel, you know, oh my God, if Nicholas goes, I, this, this is it. You know, the, the whole project is over. Mm. Rather than going, there'll be other people. Rather than going, actually, maybe there's something about the way I'm doing this that I can be different then, and mm-hmm. allow us to continue for longer.
1: Uh, uh, I suppose I'm thinking there that um, when when there's a connection uh, that both people are experiencing, that when that changes, yeah, that, that then then both people can be in. So, so ending a therapy, my yeah. experience of ending a therapy is that you, you get to a point where you're sort of say, oh, well, what are we doing now? <laughs> what, 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 yeah, what, what would you like to talk about? Are we we, are we finished now. Um, what, what should we do? Well, okay, should we look to end then? There's a neutrality about it. There's a kind of a, a sense, well, we've, it's run its course, it's done what it's needed. Mm. um and uh yeah i mean endings uh i don't know endings <laughs> Ending. i think
0: we did a podcast on it earlier on
1: <laughs> yes and <laughs> yes yes
0: and you see, it's about mutual understanding it's about the recognition that actually we came together to do a particular task or tasks that they may have changed in the process of course mm. and one gets to a point where you think in therapy, I believe therapy ends. Because there's a life out there to live. In a sense, I want to use the word free of therapy. <laughs> but where therapy isn't required, it might be useful. Mm. But it's not a necessity to have a contented life, or a happy life.
1: But then it also depends what you mean by therapy, because some sometimes, uh, some, some people benefit from having a supportive relationship, there's a Ooh. professional supportive relationship and you might not necessarily call it therapy because it may not have a specific purpose, but for me if somebody wants to keep coming and we've got stuff to talk about then that's the important thing and I take the lead from the person. If they if they want to finish that's the, the important thing, it's not about whether I want to finish or, or, or not, <laughs> I mean there's information in that but the, the important thing is I, I'm
0: there to serve really. I'm a resource yes I, I do say to some of my clients I think we're done and sometimes they say yeah but I didn't know quite how to say that to you Martin mm. and so we then agree how we're going to conclude and um, some other therapists would say oh no 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 no! it's too soon it's too soon okay so that's in- interesting information so let's let's explore that mm. so that kind of trust in the relationship but um, mm. and we haven't talked about ruptures in relationships you know whereby Especially in therapy, we might be curious or challenge and, and take a risk and, and get it wrong. Get it wrong in the sense that the client feels disrespected or stretched too far or not held.
1: Hmm. Ho- hopefully, you've got a frame in place and a, a, an agreement that when such a thing happens, it can be dealt with. Yeah. And so the, the importance of um, there being a, another session next week, that, that things are talked about and worked through, that, um, yeah, the opportunity to have things worked through is, is so key um, and hopefully is, is provided for in, in therapy.
0: True. And yet it takes agreement between both sides for that to happen. Yes. Sometimes that doesn't happen c- c- contingently. Sometimes there may be a break and a reconnection mm. at some later point. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, you can never be certain as to yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose on that note, I, I'd quite like to go and get a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> are we run... done? <laughs> well, are
0: we done? Well, I think. Are, we done?
1: How are, you? are you all right? If we if if, if we break, that?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Right. I was jotting down a list of things of uh, what makes relationship works makes relationships work. And uh, yeah, early intervention, openness, goodwill, empathy, owning our own stuff. And maybe all that's wrapped up in degrees of honesty
1: and humour.
0: Oh, yeah, and humour. <laughs> I
1: like humour as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, You'll be careful though.
1: Mm, yes, laughing together. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Have a good weekend.
0: Yeah, I shall certainly try. (laughs) Thank you for downloading our podcast, Therapist Talking Therapy. We look forward to your company again in the next podcast.